We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. Welcome to the Dotcast from Nine Dots. Nine Dots is the online learning community for wedding photographers. You can become a member and find out about our annual conference, the Nine Dots Gathering, at nine-dots.co. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Dots Dotcast. Uh, my name is Adam Johnson, and uh, today it's me and Andy Gaines. And hey, 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 hey. And also Rahul Kona. Yo, yo. So, Andy. Hey, Adam. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I'm quite inspired to be t- to talking about money. Because, oh, I, I, because I love it so much. Or no, well, not so much money, more, uh, <laughs> more, more, more pricing in wedding photography. Uh, it's something that seems to crop up all the time. Um, you know, when you're talking to other photographers, when you're asking what them, when you're asking them what they want to improve and achieve, it's often to charge more. Um, and yeah, I think generally just pricing and, and, and also specifically like, you know, that, that the idea of people being undercut by other people being cheaper and is that okay? And how do we, sort that out and what's the kind of general feeling of that in the wedding industry yo all right sounds like you know what you want to talk about (laughs) no more than normal yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so where where do we start with that so price i mean it's always that tricky thing i know i know you've always had the 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 most basic view ever of, of how to decide what you charge in wedding photography is you just decide what you charge right I mean, well, yeah, and that's true. I mean, I, so I think at the most basic level, we all are just charging what we think we can get away with charging, you know, ir- irrespective of how, you know, you're structuring your packages or how you're structuring what you offer or whether you're, you know, selling by the hour, whatever it is, however you're selling it, I believe we're all really just charging what we think we can get away with, right? And so I think the, but the problem with that is that what someone can get away with at one point, they can't necessarily get away with in a year's time or whatever through due, due to circumstances beyond the control. And I guess the interesting thing is, is that, is that their fault or problem or is that someone else's fault and problem? You know, I mean, I think for me, a really good like example of that is when, when we kind of started shooting maybe a few years ago, there were certain people at the top of the industry who were charging a lot of money and we're in a really kind of niche group of kind of people pushing the boundaries of wedding photography and charging appropriately because of that. Uh, and then now I think a lot of those people maybe are struggling to charge that kind of money because of, you know, people like us came along and undercut them. And now we're in their position and people are coming along and undercutting us. And is that a problem? Is that something that, you know, do you worry about that? No, I think like, um, it's kind of like a, it's like, it's a bit of a cycle, but also, you know, like you said, when we first started, we had to start somewhere to build a portfolio and build a name. And so I know I came in way cheaper than probably some of the top photographers in my like area but then slowly slowly I guess I realized that oh okay I'm getting a a fair few bookings and then you kind of start putting your prices up and then there's always going to be people that come in at a you know a cheaper level because there's no real barrier to entry right like any two anyone with like two cameras or even one camera can go around saying they're a wedding photographer and start charging like 50 quid a wedding and, yeah, right. you know, why not? Like if they, if that's, if they think they can make money from that, then all good for them. Yeah. So, so what do you, th- what do you think of the sort of the more established photographers then that, that are, you know, are blaming those people for kind of killing their business? You know, if they can't charge the money they wanted to charge or think they should be charging because there's other people doing it on the cheap. Like, I, cause I always, I always struggle with that because I, I think, well, it's your own, it's that it's your problem, right? If you can't persuade these people to book you, at, at, let's say ten thousand 
dollars or pounds or whatever over the person that's charging 1000 then you know you're clearly not worth that but then if you were worth it last year are you not you know how do you define the worth of your work do you know what i mean well yeah like, i mean, whatever you, oh, go on no you go dude okay sorry yeah well i'm well like you said with whatever you whatever you can kind of get away with charging you know um if if you if you're ten thousand dollars and then you know two years later people come in at like two thousand dollars you still have to be able to like show your worth or prove like why you are worth ten thousand dollars over the two thousand like whatever your marketing or business strategy was might have to change a bit because you might have to explain a few more things and it might not be as an easy ride yeah, anymore for sure. but yeah, yeah. you still got to like like show them your value show them your worth show them why you are ten thousand dollars over this two thousand uh, dollar photographer or whatever it is you <laughs> yeah, know right. dude dude why, why are we talking in dollars where's the where's the, <laughs> yeah. where's the, where's the dollars think, come from i was trying I, to sound i, I was trying it. to sound international <laughs> i was trying to sound you know global well, i charge three million drachma okay <laughs> yeah I, uh, i'm still charging old italian lira yeah lira yeah I'm going to go in pesetas this year. Yeah. No, but I mean, it's true, isn't it? I mean, the the whole thing about pricing is there's so much psychology involved in pricing that it's not as simple as saying, uh, you know, you've got, I mean, yeah, I agree with what Rahul's saying. You're like, if you, whatever you're charging, you've got to kind of justify why you're charging that. Uh, and in, in some way or another, you can't just, you can't just stand next to everybody else and go, I take pictures. I'm 3,000. And then that guy next to you goes, I take pictures. I'm 1,000. Because if that's all it's based on, then yeah, the 1,000 guy is going to clean up and you're going to struggle. But at the same time, I was, I was watching um, Michael McIntyre the other day. This is relevant. Uh, and he was talking about people who shop at Waitrose and how basically they are basically choosing to spend more money on the same stuff that you can buy at other supermarkets for cheaper because of the... Uh, I don't know the ex- like they they enjoy the expensiveness of Waitrose in some weird way. So, th- and I don't know how that uh, like works in the example of wedding photography. But at the same time, there's if if you're a more expensive wedding photographer, that the fact you're more expensive, the fact you the fact you have placed that price tag on yourself, does in a way convey a lot of confidence that you have in your own product. So there's something in, there's something I don't I don't know. I'm not, I'm that, well, it's like an intangible, right? That you don't know that, that you're worth more just because, well, he must be worth more because yeah. You, yeah. you say you are. So therefore there must be more value in the things that I'm going to get from you, even though the can of beans is going to be the same as the one from Neto. Yeah. But then, but you can, but like the Michael McIntyre joke was basically that people walk around like making a big thing, like making it really no well known that they shop at Waitrose. Yeah. I got to stop on the way home at Waitrose to get whatever, because they, it's almost like a, a badge of honor that they're spending more money on their food. But it's more, I guess it's more like, uh, you know, if, who was it John Lewis that used to have the, the catchphrase reassuringly expensive or something like that? There is a reassurance in being, in charging more money. Definitely that, that comes across. So, I, but this, just to go back to, I mean, you asked, the, the question you asked was what we, what, the, what we think about people who undercut the market or if that's even such a thing. But if you're getting peed off about that, then in reality, that's your problem because that means you're insecure in your own business and product. Mm. I mean, like, is, is, is it just that it's tough luck to those people who have been around a long time and can no longer charge what they used to charge because they perceive that they're being undercut so that, you know, business they would have won five years ago or four or three years ago, they're now not winning because they perceive the only reason for that is that someone else is offering a, a product which, you know, for cheaper. So is that is that is is that just like is that just their their look out in effect? It's like it's just tough luck to them. Is that is that the answer? 
No, I mean, well, sometimes, but I mean, it's not really like tough luck to them. It's the people, I think the people that complain about other people under, get undercutting them is because the people that have been earning the money at the top or whatever, a lot of them just get complacent. So what they used to just have like maybe one phone call or one meetup and be like, yeah, I'm going to charge you 10,000 pounds. And then now they're going to have to work harder to justify why they're worth 10,000 because they're going to have to educate their clients in the sense that some clients, oh, okay, like I did a wedding fair like five years ago, six years ago when I first started. And I was like, I think two and a half grand at that point or something um, or two grand. But then they put us in an aisle with um, in this uh, this wedding show with like five other photographers. So basically all the photographers were next to each other. And so many clients would just come around and they wouldn't understand why am I more expensive than the person just across away from me like literally two meters away so then it's really hard to like explain to these people without sort of slagging the other people off of like why you should spend your money with me if that makes sense yeah because right. like you don't want to sound arrogant and you don't want to sound rude and you don't want to disrespect someone you know because maybe you know that they're, they're like their costs or their living costs or whatever and they're happy with what they're charging so they think that they think they're getting away with a lot whereas you know i'm thinking yeah. you're not getting away with a lot maybe you could be worth more but that's not my place to say that yeah. to you do you know what I mean? that's, yeah, that's what I mean. There, but that's why that's why when you when I think about that, this, it's like it feels that it, the the pricing is even more arbitrary, you know, because the the only reason you know the, the guy is charging ten thousand pounds, you know, at one time is because he can afford to charge that. And the moment the moment people are undercutting him, he's not worth that money. You know what I mean? Like, so so was he ever worth that money? And what what justified him being worth that money in the first place? Because the work is the same. So it's it's almost like it's the work is irrelevant and it's all it's it's all just a relative thing, right? To whatever else is going on, which then makes you think, man, does that make does that mean that your price is not even it's totally driven by the market and has got almost no, you know what I mean? How much in, how much in control are we of how much we can charge? A fair, a fair bit, in my opinion. I mean, like you said in the beginning, you know, it's whatever you can get away with. So like you know, for me, for example, every time I book ten weddings, I increase my prices slightly. And then if I get away with it over the next set of inquiries, then it becomes that price until I'll do it until I stop getting away with it, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, for like, sure. I'll just keep going. And then if I do hit that 10 grand a wedding mark, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm 10 grand a wedding now. <laughs> yeah. you know, until until still, you're not. People, until I'm not. Yeah. If people yeah, keep yeah. still booking me, then, you know, I'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, and I'll keep, I'll keep increasing my prices because then it also means like, it's not just a case of like increasing your prices, but it means that I can actually, de I'll probably dedicate even more time towards that client. And I know that I could be doing more things, but when you're doing like 25 weddings a year, as opposed to 15 weddings a year, or as opposed to 10 weddings per year, you right. know, you can dedicate way more time on like all across the board from like the initial client meeting to like everything, you know, to, to give them that waitrose experience. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I disagree with Michael McIntyre because you know, the tomatoes in Waitrose taste way better than they do in Morrison's and Morrison's is closer, but I will go to Waitrose. To pure get. psychology, dude. It's pure psychology. Ah, it's not, dude. It's not. I could even do a blind test on it. We'll do it one day and I'll, and I'll point out Waitrose tomatoes. Over. Can we get, can we get like taste, taste of vision in the, in the dot cast so that we can like, yeah. do something? The how do we transmit that? Yeah. How are we going to get that across? Yeah. yeah. The, the so live. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, but I mean, it is, it is, I mean, it sounds obvious to say, but it's a total numbers game, isn't it? Pricing, <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but no, the, I mean the, on the one hand, like, yeah, but, and it's cool actually, because it, it, 
it goes back to what you and me were talking about, Andy, on a podcast a bit ago while while Rahul was away. You know, the whole game of business. Mm-hmm. You know, you are constantly trying to push your price, and and it is and it's funny talking about it in a way that we're you know we're trying to get away with as much as we can charge, but no one's going to pay some, for something if they think it's too much money. So you you can only charge what you can charge in a in a weird way. But at the same time, you know, Rahul talking about that wedding fair with you know the 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 lineup of photographers ranging probably from five hundred quid up to whatever he was charging two grand, two and a half grand. That's where sales comes in. So uh, this is why I think that this is the biggest change I think in the wedding photography industry in the last year or two is people have been like, oh, we have to we have to sell our product. Mm. I've never had to do this before. I've never had to say why my product is worth this. But that, right. and that's so. It is, but so it, I mean, I don't remember ever having to sell sell my product in the. I mean, I was, I've always been quite good at marketing, you know, but in writing words around what, products and stuff, but. But like that, be an actual salesperson is a whole new skill, right? Whole a new whole skill, new, yeah, and yeah. that's where that's the skill that is suddenly you know you you need that more than ever in this industry now. But mm-hmm. but, but I don't think that's because suddenly there's like a the the bottom end of the industry in terms of price is flooded with the new people. I don't maybe that I'm sure there are more people in the industry than there were before, but I don't think it's I don't think it's any more competitive in in that in the numbers game. I just think it's more competitive in that cameras are better. It's it's actually easier to take better pictures these days, and in ge- and because of that, the average standard of the industry has has increased massively. Yeah, and, and partly th- partly thanks to things like Nine Dots and 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 the abundance of workshops and and learning opportunities. Presets, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think as like building on that, it's like the a few years ago, like there were. It's all about the you know wedding photography was kind of modern wedding photography was in its infancy, right? But now it's been around enough that it's been through lots of styles and changes and what's in and what's not in and what people want and what they don't want. So it's kind of like you've, it feels a bit like, well, this is, this is a topic for another time, but have we exhausted the iterations of what wedding photography can be? Nah, no you know way. what I mean? Well, but what I mean by that is that the reason that a lot of these people say these big names when modern, when, when like, you know, when this new style <laughs> yeah. of wedding photography came in, say eight, nine years I ago. I get what you're pointing, yeah, the yeah. Industry, when they were there, they were occupying that kind of little, like fuzzy white space at the head of that. And there was no one else doing what they were doing. And so because of that, when you're the only guy in the world who is creating a, a, a look and, you know, images with a certain look and with a certain feel and with a certain message, you can charge 10,000 pounds because you can't get it elsewhere on the, in the planet. Whereas fast forward five years, everyone has worked out either by the work, hard work themselves or by being taught it through workshops or whatever, how to yeah. do that, you know, like, so now everybody can can offer in effect the same images that look the same with the same message so like you say the the person that was there at the first the novelty value that they had is gone and so as a consequence they aren't worth what they used to be you know what they used to be worth because there's a thousand other options to choose from so that there you know it has changed and i guess what you need to do is you need to be able to you can only keep reinventing it so many times before you run out of things to reinvent that people want to buy this is like totally tangent topic now but I feel like it's going back in a cycle where um, a lot of people that, well, that inquire with me, they care more about portraits now, suddenly. I mean, maybe because of like Instagram or something like that, but like, you know, like having like these sort of editorial portraits and, 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 and whatnot, you know, like, I, I think it's all like a cycle. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but that's, be- that's, be- that's because of the sheep mentality of the wedding photographer in that, you know, if the industry suddenly starts saying, it's all about moments, it's all about documentary, the whole, the whole industry will, like sheep, will rush to that to that like whatever's the in thing to do in wedding photography you know that was the thing i remember five years ago four years ago suddenly everybody was like portraits are meaningless it's all about moments 
so it's no surprise really that in the last four or five years there's been such I don't know uh, an explosion of of documentary photographers because the because the sheep mentality of the industry has sent it in that direction, and then and then a bit like what Andy say really that the market is going to always look for something different. So the if you know like like you were saying what we call modern wedding photography now it's just wedding photography now really really what we what we refer to as modern wedding photography is now is the new traditional wedding photography in a way there is going to be the next thing. But but then the but then the sheep mentality will will come back into play and everyone will go over there. So if, if suddenly that it seems like oh clients want portraits again, lo and behold, ninety percent of the industry will rush over that side. So it, it's just this constant back and forth. But you know, going back to the whole prices and numbers game thing, I have a, I have like a major issue because the th- the thing is, there's a lot of good photographers around now. I, like I see so many photographers, I think oh there was there's so many people who are good at this, but. The, the one kind of cliche line that I hate hearing is, oh, you're too cheap. Like, you're so good, you're too cheap. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you have no idea what is going on in that person's business. Yeah. So the, going back to the whole numbers game thing, if I'm getting if I'm getting a 1,000 inquiries a year and I'm booking my 20, 30, whatever my target of weddings is, if I'm booking my weddings really easily in, you know, way ahead of time, then, yeah, realistically, I'm too cheap because – I'm losing the numbers game. I'm missing the point of the numbers game. I'm getting so many inquiries that I can afford. I can afford, as you were alluding to before, I can afford to try a higher price because I'm getting those. I'm getting those inquiries in. Mm-hmm. If I tell you you're too cheap and you're getting seven inquiries a year, you know, as a ridiculously low example, you need to book all seven of those realistically to keep your business going. You need to book all your inquiries. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm, I'm the guy, you know, getting hundreds of inquiries a year. I can afford to take more risks, I guess, with my pricing. Yeah, yeah, so sure. there's a lot that goes into like how you decide, and also going back to what you said ra- really early on. When I, I remember when I was on the way up in terms of pricing, I would look at the people in my area who I thought were the best people in my area and go, "Well, they're the best ones." Yeah, and that and that's ridiculous because again, if I, I might be getting more inquiries than them, so I can again I can afford to take more risks with my pricing. Mm-hmm. And you get and, and uh, even on top of that, you've got like who knows what your overheads are, who knows what your your general, you know, your general living costs are, they're all different, right? So, yeah. you know, and surely all those things play. I mean, the thing, like, like what you said about be, you know, you're too cheap is, is like, yeah, it's one of the worst cliches, cliches ever because I think a lot of the time expensive photographers tell other photographers they're too cheap is because yeah. they know they have to be more expensive for the, for, to justify their own prices. So true. <laughs> because if, if someone else is running a business that offers the same service as me, that makes pictures as good as mine and that, is is in every you know conceivable way equivalent to me in terms of what they can offer a client and they're yeah. charging half of what I am it's of course it's going to be in my interest to tell them they're too cheap <laughs> because otherwise yeah. I have to reduce my prices you know because I don't have you know if I if I run out of the skills and the the skill set to be able to sell myself at yeah. an expensive price then yeah it's not them that's too cheap it's me that's too expensive you know yeah and also you know there's there's so much that goes into it that we can talk about for hours probably but the other thing that makes a huge difference is is the source of your is the source of those inquiries. Like I think you'll be able mm-hmm. to set if you're getting a lot of your inquiries through SEO, for instance. I, my view is that, that that has a much lower ceiling price than if you were getting a lot of your inquiries through wedding planners or through, you know, other sources or yeah, 
uh, well, you know, uh, wedding planners. Yeah, referral. Yeah, referrals or anything. I think I think something like SEO for it has the lowest ceiling price of all. You know, or if you're getting it, for instance, through like the high, more high-end wedding blogs or planners, then you'll be able to set a higher price because of the source of your inquiries. It's mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all like these these mini industries within the industry, right? So that that are going to be able to dictate how much you can actually charge, but. You know, like you said, there's so much more that goes into it behind the scenes. Like, I hate hearing that line of you're too cheap. Yeah, it's such a, like, just because on the surface, you just see a basic, a number on a website. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, to accompanied by, yeah, your work's so much better than that. Yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah. So what was your original question? Like, are, 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 new, are people who come into the industry and charge cheap destroying the industry is that the is that what i mean that wasn't that wasn't the yeah that wasn't the, the, the question but yeah i mean that's the, that's certainly that's the that's the thing you keep seeing you know time and time again from other people yeah, su- suggesting that and for me like well like we've just said you know i'm not i'm not sure it's as simple and it's not as black and white as that for sure you know i think i think the i guess what i try and keep in mind in terms of like ha- like how you how you deal with that is you just have to be you just got to be fluid. And we talked about it before another podcast. You've just got to be able to be willing to put, you know, push that price up. If you can think you get to get away with it, but just be willing to bring it back down when you can't, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, again, there's a whole other discussion about, do you show your prices or do you not show your prices on your website? Um, but linked to that, you know, one of the advantages of not showing your prices allows you that fluidity to push things up and take things down and totally mix it up. And, and deal with the continually changing industry, I guess, you know, which is always, which is always changing and it's going to affect that. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's all about taking risks, which is what you were saying before, you know, like once, once you get like, for me, for example, once I hit a certain number of weddings per year, then I'll start taking risks on like, I'll have exactly the same pricing guide, but with all the prices inflated. And then I'm willing to risk like losing the next 10 inquiries to you're too expensive. Um, just to see whether I can get away with it. But if one person bites, then I'll stick with that price. Like, right. unless, unless there's like a date, I don't know, like March, April, where I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get book, booked or whatever. So then I'll just send them my older pricing guide. So I always have two and I always just like fluctuate between them. If, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit like what you're saying as well, though. It's a, like it's risk on the, on the one hand. Yeah. But it's a calculated, educated risk. You know, you're not just going, somebody hasn't just come along to you and said, oh, you're too cheap. So you just, the next day you just put your price up because of that. And then you sit there and you're still not getting any inquiries and I'm not getting any bookings. You're, you're taking that risk because of a position of, of comfort, I guess. You, like and knowing you know, your numbers. Yeah. You, and knowing exactly and knowing your numbers and knowing that you've, you've got that, um, that buffer, almost like a buffer, you know, like you can, you can afford, like you say, to, to take on 10 inquiries and try it. But was it, is it you, Rahul, that has that kind of strategy as well where you'll send, if you want, if you want to test a higher price, for instance, you'll just send. Even if you're already booked for the date, you will send them your higher price, and then you'll see whether they would have come back and booked at the higher price. Yeah, yeah, I do do. That. Yes, same dude. I do. Yeah. I do that. Good tip. And yeah, th- that one is a good one. It's, an- it's annoying, especially like once I, I sent out to like six inquiries <laughs> and two came back. We're like, yeah, we're. And I was like, oh yeah, actually, I've just booked a wedding, so unfortunately, I'm booked now. But yeah, it's a really good way. So that's that's like kind of doing it with like minimal risk. Yeah, you know, zero, so least, zero risk, really. Yeah, well, zero risk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least you get to uh, see whether your um, potential clients would have actually paid that for you. But and just to be clear, do, then... yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, though, you you would never cancel the original booking to take the higher price no, booking. It's, no. it's purely a it's purely a market test and confidence. Yeah, it, like confidence. Yeah. That's what it is yeah. because that's what so much of it is. It's like how much can you get away with, really? Um, yeah. Like I said, like we said at the beginning, it is also, like I think that's what it all comes down to. And I guess just almost to sort of 
think about wrapping it up, it's like, I guess the answer to that original question about that, those people, you know, that were once charging lots and now can't afford to, like, it's because they can't get away with it anymore. And they've got to really ask themselves, I think, more than, you know, it's almost like you can't, you can't blame the new, you can't blame the market for coming in and quote unquote ruining your pricing (laughs) any more than you could blame the lack of market at the start for the reason you charged more. You know what I mean? It's like the only reason you could get away with charging loads at the start is because of how the market existed. And now the market changes. Like you, you, you know, you can't blame it any more than you can, you know, accept that it was the thing that allowed you to charge more in the first place. Yeah, man, that is such an intelligent point. I love it. But it, it, it is so true. You know, the, yeah, I don't know where it's just, you, you charge what you, whatever you can, but you, but just to go back to an early point, you have to be able to sell that, you know, yeah. and the confidence side of it is so huge, you know, like it, 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 it's so much that goes into that. But one is that doing this test thing where you're sending out your a higher price to people who on dates you've already booked. So, you know, you can't book it, but you'll, you get to know whether people were, would be interested in that price and, and prepared to at least speak to you at that price. Because, and the other thing is, I know the other thing I hear people say sometimes is, is, you know, I can't charge X pounds because I would never pay that for wedding photography. And you have to kind of dis- disconnect yourself sometimes as well and realize that you're not selling to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're selling to a, a market or a different type of person than yourself. And yeah, maybe you wouldn't pay 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 pounds for wedding photography, but there is a market who will. But you have to be able to, co- if somebody says to you, how much do you charge? You have to be able to confidently reply 5,000 pounds or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You can't ap- apologetically go, well, I charge that five thousand pounds, but I'm pretty. Uh, I'm happy to, just, you know, as soon as you start <laughs> with that apologetic tone in your voice about your price, then you've lost. I, I used yeah, to yeah. be like that, you know that. Yeah. Because like that, that's why. Like I love how um, because before I used to do like in person sales or whatever, right? So then they would um, like come and see me, and then I'd have to say the price in front of them, and I'd just be like looking down, going, "Yeah, it's this much." And then, but then I realized, you know what? I'm just gonna have to send a PDF because I don't. I hate talking about money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like or like or what yeah. I or what I charge. So uh, and now even with the pricing guide, like it's just it's so much better, better because they already know. So then I don't need to ask you again. And then if they're talking to you, then yeah, you're you're already on like on a winning. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, I think the the the. That sales skill, being able to sell it, however you sell it in person, online, on Skype, on a brochure, through a website, however you sell what you're selling, that is just, you know, that is really key. And, you know, it's interesting. So we, we got some like quotes for some new windows in our house of the week. So we literally had the classic like double glazing salesman. We've had loads of them coming around. And I think what we all need to do in our businesses now is get a, get our own, you know, I need to outsource my sales. I think I'm going to get a double glazing salesman because, you know, the, the guy, you find something online and it looks kind of cool. The guy that comes around is the salesman and he just sells you it. His skill, his like one job in life is to sell shit to you. Whereas when the guy comes to actually to, to fit the windows or take the pictures, he's the craftsman and he's the guy that's really good at doing this stuff, but he hasn't sold me it. He just comes and skillfully fits the windows. It's the salesperson that's kind of made me cough up all the cash for it, you know? Whereas the hard thing is as, as sole traders or as little business owners is that we have to do all that, right? We have to, yeah. we yeah. have to be skilled. So I'm going to go and get myself a double glazing salesman. <laughs> but, but it was them. the same with, with, it was exactly the same when we went with uh, wardrobes as well. Like, we went with the guy that actually charged the most because the sales guy was just that much better. Yeah, right. Like, and I was just like, mate, you just seem worth it. Like, I, I, I feel, actually, you know what it was? It was just I felt safe and confident that he's they're going to do a great job. And you know, and, exactly. And, and but, that's, and that's why was, I went with them. And, that, and some random guy fit the fit the wardrobes, right? <laughs> yeah, but that that's that, that that's I think that's what people have to portray. Like when you're doing the sales, like be like, 
like I said, you, I think you have to have a little bit of arrogance, be like super confident and be like, yeah, like I'm going to do an amazing job for you. But, and I, but I charge this much, yeah. you know, there might be others that charge less than that. There might be others that charge more, but I know that, you know, I'm going to deliver this, this, and this, you see my work, you've seen everything, you know, laid out clearly. So it's like really your decision, if that makes sense. And like, and if you're confident, good enough, and, and they like your personality and like all the other things that go with it then yeah you you can justify and charge what you're charging yeah totally I mean, the, the, that's the thing the the unit hit the nail on the head there and that the, the the point of a sales pitch is to instill that that trust and that that confidence in your product and business over and above like the next guy but that's such a funny like analogy about the double i thought it was going to be like an amusing joke at first about the double <laughs> glazing thing but it's so true you know we can't all go out and hire a sales manager and a and a, and a whatever and a whatever and be the just solely be the craftsman as great as that would be you have to learn those skills and if you're going to run a solo a sole trader business you have to be able to do that more and more so these days than ever plenty plenty to teach people on the next podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude i surprised myself in that that podcast i came out with this, I, I made two strong analogy stroke points that i'm impressed with they are going in my brochure stroke don't know where else okay go and do that <laughs> I'm going to do the same. When you do it, can you send me the, send me over the word? I'm going to do the same. Go for yeah. it. All right. See you next week, boys. Okay, amigos. Good times. Take it easy. One, two, three. Listen. You can listen to previous episodes of the Dotcast anywhere people normally listen to podcasts. And you can find out more about Nine Dots membership and the Nine Dots gathering at nine-dots.co. Yeah.